HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Are you a business owner? This spring, amplify your business and support HRN's mission by becoming a business member. HRN is dedicated to spotlighting small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. With a $500 business membership, HRN can shine a light on your work and you can help sustain our mission to transform the way people think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You will also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. I'm Dylan Hoyer, the producer of Hardcore, a cider podcast on Heritage Radio Network, and I'll be moderating the conversation today with Jacques Peritat and Benoit Lassoufle. Excuse all the French names I'm going to have to pronounce today. I was very bad at French in high school. Uh, Jacques Pet was working as a biologist for the Swiss government when he decided to abandon the life of report writing in favor of a career that would bring him closer to nature. At first, Jacques considered becoming a winemaker. He started working for a few Swiss producers. During his time in the countryside, he began to notice old forgotten apple trees scattered in the wild or in small pastures that belonged to people with little interest in harvesting the fruit. He became fascinated with these abandoned trees and in 2000 decided to set up a small cider mill in an old tile factory in Gruyere, Switzerland, and started making cider from foraged fruit, which turned into Ciderie du Volcan. Welcome, Jacques. Uh, tell us a little bit about this big career change in your life and what it looked like. And did you know anything about winemaking or cider making before you made the leap? It's on our, I think you're good. Okay. Oh, no, it was very uh, a, a big change in my life. Uh, uh, you know, I was the whole day uh, looking at the, the soil and the plants and uh, making reports and it was <laughs> it was very nice because I knew the, the, the best places for nature in Switzerland in the mountains but uh, I wanted to do something different and to to give value to to those uh, landscape of my country and uh, the old orchard we had and uh, I, I just wanted to to make something uh, instead uh, writing things and nobody was interested in him <laughs> and um and the, the, ma- the magic of uh, fermenting uh was the the, the most interesting uh, i wanted to do uh, and wine or cheese were the the things i wanted to experiment and uh, cider was uh, something new uh, my region is not known uh, with about cider making and so it, it was a, a forgotten forgotten thing um, but we had a lot of trees uh, especially uh, pear trees 
with many, many varieties, very interesting varieties for Perry. So uh, I decided to try and to, to discover or rediscover the, the patrimoine, um, so the, the old varieties we had. And uh, I just made experiments. And, but it was very, very slow, very, very difficult because uh, I didn't know how to do and, uh, and nobody could uh, help me to do it, so <laughs> I, I was just uh, making experiments and very bad experiments, sometimes very good, and, um, and then uh, I, I went to, to, to meet uh, growers in Normandy, like Eric Bordelais, like uh, um, uh, Andreas Schneider in uh, Germany, and uh, they helped me to to make my own cider, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was wonderful, yeah. And we'll talk yeah. about everything that goes into making that cider in just a moment, but let's welcome Benoit. Um, his family has been growing apples in Normandy for generations, but for the past 50 years, they've been selling all of their fruit to large cider houses, but when you asked your parents if you could start making your own cider with it, they thought you were crazy. Um, Today, Benoit lives in Paris. His real job is as a wine broker for Domaine Lafarge, Champagne Tarlant, and Henri Germain. And he has finally convinced his parents that he's onto something and has a couple of vintages of experience at now in cider, which is not bad for a weekend warrior in his own words. Um, so welcome and tell us about how growing up around orchards and apples and cider was shaped you and shaped your childhood. Hi. Um, I don't know, my first story with apple, I was like five years old. I remember, but yeah, it was maybe the last vintage of my grandfather. It was in 1992, 1991. And uh, yeah, I mean, I come with like orchards, even if my father uh, make only cider for the family. He never make business with cider, but along with my father and my grandfather, some weekends when, yeah. I mean, in the U.S., cider is still such a growing category that not a lot of people know a lot about. How do you guys think, you know, the knowledge of where is the European drinker at with their understanding of cider, and how do you think it compares to drinkers in the United States? People are more open to drink some cider than French people. I don't know if Jacques is agreeing with me, but... Didn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you think European consumers are very familiar with cider uh, compared to U.S. consumers? Uh, I think uh, Swiss people are discovering cider. Um, French people, they're more traditional with cider. And American people, I think they, they're more, more open. It's... Uh, it's um, more modern things, uh, they're much more open, I think, yeah. Uh, French people are very traditional, it's, quite, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very difficult to, to, to go there. The sommelier, they, they make, they're making a big, big yeah. uh, job uh, for cider now. But Spe uh, especially in Normandy, for example, I know some chef, star chef in Normandy, and they say, oh, why you want to send me some cider? I say, I produce cider, I am from Normandy like you, come on, I mean, so he buys someone from me and he don't want to buy some cider and even if he likes cider, I say, but for what? Why I have to pour the cider when I have to pour during the meals? I mean, uh, yeah, it's like, um, other example is like my parents, for example, when I start to make cider, I say, no, it's not possible to make cider and to make your life, it's not a, it's not a real job, it's not possible. And, yeah, and I try. And yeah, it's, Jacques is right. It's like cider in France. It's always like it has to be cheap, traditional, and only for the crepes and, <laughs> and guys. Yeah. But uh, I see that uh, also in France there is the tradition is also good because because it gives a guideline. Uh, to have a good pommage, yeah. in the sense uh, the, 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 there are so many different varieties to, to, to make a good cider, 
And this is very important, and it's just now the time to, to give value to that, to make... They understand that. Yeah. yeah. The problem the is just like side of the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, in Normandy, for example, we have like so, so, so many thousand variety different, but mm. yeah, where you are in this country, this area, with so the diversity, and we don't realize like how much it can be very great to, to have that. Like, I mean, it just like, Jack discovered like some variety in Switzerland and some of the value you can make with this variety. And um, like 90% of people make cider in Normandy doesn't understand that yet. Mm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I see so. yeah, yeah, it's like that. Is there a history of cider drinking that went out of fashion and it's coming back or it's just always been wine? I think it's because like some people like, yeah, like Eric Bordelais, like Jacques Aitas, me, or some other people, Schneider in Germany, for example, yeah. Uh, we make better qualities than so many people. We increase the price, so we make more volume. So some distributor, importer say, oh, it's something interesting, what's happened with like a few producers. So they make advertising in different markets, and after, yeah, some people we touch, we increase the target like in different country, and yeah, of course, after some people, like journalists, like uh, influencers, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, communicate more, talk more about cider, and of course, increase the, um, uh, the increase the market. I think it's this way. But yeah, the first step, it's like, like wait, it's uh, increase the quality of cider and change a few the image this way, yeah. All right, should we talk about making good cider? Should we talk about how you guys are making cider? Uh, Jacques, as part of your work, you're using ancient Swiss apples that are too rare to yield fruit for commercial use, but you're trying to make the most natural cider as possible. It has a really strong connection to place. Tell us about the elements that go into that, from the apples to the indigenous yeast, and what else? Yes, so um, for me, the most... Most important thing is not the variety because I use every variety I've, I can find, but only from old apple trees and um, untreated uh, apples uh, because I work with uh, indigenous uh, yeast, so spontaneous fermentation. Uh, for me, it's the best way to, to work cider uh, because it's much more complex and interesting. It's, it, it expresses also what we call terroir. It forms parts of that. And, um, but I, I can use all varieties uh, of eat apple. In, in Switzerland, we have only acid eat apples, very few bitter apple. It's the German influence uh, in the varieties of apple. Um, so I, I'm used to work with all these apples, and it's very interesting to find uh, equilibre, uh, balance uh, in, with those apples. Um, so I don't know uh, what to say in the, the process, perhaps. Uh, are you foraging for them? How are you finding the apples? Oh, uh, I, had, I have many ways of finding apples, so... Uh, <laughs> The, the, first, the first step was to just go to the farmers. They, they didn't choose the apples uh, because there, there is no market for them. It's so cheap that they say, okay, we, we can't lo lose time <laughs> to do that. So I came and, and I went there and uh, I said, okay, I, I want to buy your apple. Do you want to collect them? I give, a, I give the best price in the country for those apples. And sometimes they say, oh, but you're crazy. What are you doing? It's, it, it doesn't have value. It's only shit. <laughs> I say, no, no, try this, try this. They say, okay, but doesn't matter. It's, it has no value. You can have them. And... I paid them also, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, people uh, they they love 
apple juice in Switzerland. It's very popular. So uh, I said, okay, I can make your juice at my, at my uh, uh, factory. And uh, you can go with your juice, with your apples, you know. And it, this kind of way was very important in my region because uh, many, many uh, people came now and uh, it's, it's a big business for me <laughs> to make apple juice. But many times it's only 25 liters, you know. We have to separate every batch and, and pasteurize and so, but uh, it, it's... The people are so happy to do that that uh, it gives it gives value to the to what we call uh, our our um, our world of apples, you know. So it was also the way to find uh, new pr providers for apples to make my cider, and then uh, also I I found um, people in the east region of Switzerland where they were. There is many, many apple trees. It is a very traditional uh, region uh, called Turgovi, Turgau. Uh, and uh, there is a lot, a lot of apples there in uh, high branch trees uh, and all varieties for cider, very special varieties. So uh, now I'm working half of my production from, from those apples. And then I planted uh, a new orchard with uh, very special varieties, very rare things, you know, for to do uh, new things, uh, very creative uh, cider, you know, like uh, Rose de Torny. I found uh, I love varieties, and I I love to graft uh, new varieties, to create also varieties uh, from uh, apple seeds, you know, it's. It's incredibly in rich, uh, this kind of um, uh, research. Uh, <laughs> Have you discovered any new varieties when you travel around? Are you always discovering new things? Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, so rich. Uh, they say, okay, in Switzerland we have 600 uh, apple varieties, uh, 700 uh, pear varieties. It's incredibly rich, but uh, many varieties are just uh, in a conservatorium uh, orchard, you know. Just two trees left for one variety. It's crazy. Uh, and now I'm also uh, have, a, have a job for government to conserve, uh, to protect those varieties in a, in a special orchard. So I'm just in this uh, core, come on, this in the heart of uh, diversity. Yeah. And do you make mostly blends? Do you make any single varietal ciders? Uh, there is uh, two or three varieties very common in Switzerland. So when when there is a lot, I make uh, mono varietal cider because it's. It's interesting, I, I think, like uh, Boscop, it's very popular, uh, or um, Bone Apple, it's uh, Iron Apple, so I make two monovarietals, and then uh, also blend uh, for special cuvées like uh, Transparent, uh, like Premier Zemois, the, uh, yeah, very, yet yeah, now the, the, these are cuvées very, um, implanté. Uh, it's traditional in my cidery now, those cuvées. So I have to reproduce them <laughs> every year. Yeah. And Benoit, what apples are you excited about working with in your family's orchard and in the region generally? I have, I have two orchards, one from my grandfather in Friadel. So <clears throat> I don't choose this variety, but my father too doesn't choose, doesn't choose the variety. And it's more traditional variety we find in Pédojaya. So it's more bitter, bitter sweet apple, like Mété, Fricain, Moulin Avant. Yeah, it's French name, I'm sorry. And, uh, but in Normandy, we have like a big diversity. It's more like 2,000 variety of apple tree. Um, 
And yeah, so my father took over this orchard in 1991. And um, four years later, he planted 12 hectares in La Foltière. Like, it's low branch. Uh, and it's just to, to sell apple as a big negotiation. Uh, where I make cider, like Cavados and whatever. It's uh, Paraguay. I mean, it's a big industry. Uh, and this variety is more like a sharp apple and it's very confusing because in Pédoge area, it's, uh, it's forbidden to use more 50% of this kind of apple in your blend to make cider. Uh, so it's for that I'm, I am in Pédoge cider, but I use, more, I use more acidic apple than I have to do to have the appellation. So it's for that I have not appellation of area. So. And the land you're growing on, there's a lot of soil diversity, is that right? And does that allow you to work with a lot of different varieties? I mean, in Friandel, I use like between 30, 35 varieties, depending on the vintage, because yeah, some variety, I have only like two or three, three, and when I don't have apple, I don't have this variety in my blend for this vintage. And uh, for La Foltière, it's like, uh, it's like 12 variety all the year because I have like huge. I pick by hand to make my cider. I, everything is picked by hand. And, uh, but in a big vintage, I can I'm pick like between two and 5% of the total volume of apple. So I have like just the choice of apple because yeah, so yeah. And you both make Perry or pear cider as well? For me, it's new. I mean, um, except one pear I have in Friadel, my grandfather's orchards. Uh, I don't have like a lot of pear, but I make like single pear tree since uh, 2018. So it's very new for me. And uh, my uncle had, has uh, orchards uh, behind Friadel in Sarkoid, the name of the village, and uh, he had like he has like one hectare of pear tree planted in 1994, and they start to give some free since uh, 2015. So he gave me the authorization to say, okay, you can pick some pear, like uh, in 2017. So it's very recent for me to make pear. Do you approach it in the exact same way as making yeah. cider with apples? Yeah, I planted like three hectares like during two years uh, of only pear tree. So yes, yeah, so I hope to increase in the future, but we have to wait like 20, 30 years to pick some pears. So I'm still young. Because uh, uh, this is 100 years to grow, 100 years to produce, and 100 years to die. <laughs> some pair come like 10 years 15 years but the first it's smaller yeah are the pears as diverse as the apples are there really acidic pears really tannic pears I haven't seen as I haven't eaten any of these pear-y varieties before I mean in Normandy we have like two areas of cider like very famous it's Pays uh, d'Auge and Dauphron we have all, also some pear, uh, cider industry in Contentin, in Perche, and a different area, but the biggest, like, in history, it's Donfron and Pays d'Auge. And Donfron is more specialist of pear cider, and Pays d'Auge is more apple. But uh, we have some pear variety, traditional of Pays d'Auge, like Gris de It's very big, it's brown for the color, and it's very tannic. When you press the juice, it's like a dark yellow juice. And this one is very, very tannic. I mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know this variety, for example, but Gris is the I don't know, no. But, but it's very, very tart, tart, tannic. But peri, uh, peri pears are mostly tannic. They could be sweet, or they could be acid, it depends. But uh, more variety you have in the peri, better is the peri. Yeah. But you need to have 
some acidity and not too much tannins because the, the tannins are complicated in Perry because it, it, it makes like uh, snow in your bottle, you know, yeah. with time. The polyphenols, they coagulate and it's sometimes not so, <laughs> so, so nice to serve. <laughs> but uh, I, in the Perry, uh, what we do in Switzerland is we have uh, uh, early varieties uh, very acid, and then we have late varieties, very sweet. So we, we make the perry with all those uh, pears, um, step by step. Step by step. It's like tasting it through time. If you each you make some with the early pears, some with the middle, some with late. We we make different batches. Yeah. We 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 blend at at the end. Yeah. Got it. It's very important. Um, so, Benoit, cider making isn't your full-time job yet, but no. what have you learned so far? Like, what has the learning curve been like as you've sort of started experimenting with cider from wine? I was I was kid. I was like seven, eight years, and I mean, it was a other world. It's like, for example. Uh, when I started to make cider to make business, it was like 10 years ago. But before, I have to push my parents to buy new bottles. And, and for that, I need like five years to convince my parents, so can you buy new bottles? Because maybe it, it, will not, it, can, it can be not possible to sell some cider if you have like Harzas bottles, Champagne bottles, Loire Valley bottles with like, with a cousin. <laughs> so my grandfather... I remember like the, the weekend we we wash the bottles to to use again the same bottles like year after years and we have like so many bottles and so many friends of my parents back with like one bottles different wine bottles to clean and to use to bottling with that the cider of my parents and I remember about this moment I remember about like uh, eat some apple when my grandparents pick apple like uh, I mean you know for. You know, this variety, like Bedon, for example, it's very sweet, it's very fruity, and I remember about this variety. Um, yeah, I have so many memories. I remember that my grandfather told me all the time, and say, uh, you cannot make good cider if the apple is not ripe. You cannot uh, make good cider if your hawk is clean. You cannot make good cider... Uh, if you don't like your apple, I mean, so many things like that, so many proverbs from my grandfather, I, I keep him for me, and of course, they help me in the future when I continue to make cider. One more question about the apples themselves. Is climate change affecting what you're growing or what the people that you're sourcing from and how they're thinking about growing? For me, I'm too young, too young to say that. I don't have any experience. Um, just something change a few, maybe, it's, we start to pick apple in September. My grandfather maybe never knows that. Just that, in Maria. But to taste the, the cider, uh, I cannot compare what my, my grandfather make. Uh, so I cannot compare like where is the changement in the cider tasting. Yeah. But for the picking, for sure, it's earlier than before. Yeah. No, in Switzerland, we can see that uh, with. There is, it's a continental climate. Uh, there is a big difference in, in very few years. Uh, we have new uh, illness uh, in, the, in the apple trees. We didn't knew. Uh, and uh, very well-known varieties like Cuboscope, they, they have new problems we didn't know. It's, it's very, very... Um, yeah, we we on a peur. We are afraid. We it's very complicated, and uh, also in the spring, the frost uh, on on the flowers it's it's becoming terrible. Uh, we didn't knew that, and so so it's becoming very very special. Yeah, uh, also because of um, like grail. Uh, Eling. Eling? Hail. Hail. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It, it, it's, 
yeah, it's uh, it's quite normal to have three or four uh, hail uh, events on the, on the small apples, on the big apples. So it's it's crazy. Uh, no, I I don't know uh, if 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 we can live anymore with uh, cider making. And <laughs> no, it's it's difficult in in, in Switzerland. Yeah, in Germany the same. In cent Central Europe, yeah. It's complicated. Yeah, I know in the U.S. there are a lot of cider makers here trying to revive heritage varieties or European varieties, and I think climate change is on the top of their minds when they're thinking about what what's the climate going to look like in a few years down the road, what apples are going to be resilient and what are going to you know survive here. So it's an interesting question for the future. Um, I wanted to ask, the title of the panel is understanding fine wine made from apples is that how you see cider do you do you see it in the wine category as a type of wine yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. i think it's the same it's, it's the same world it's, it's it's only one free per years with the climate change every years by vintage so it's the same of the grapes with the wine and if some people compare cider with a beer, the beer it's a cereal, so we can keep the cereal like so many years and make some malt after fermenting, uh, so we can blend the vintage of the cereal. And the cider is not possible to do that. I mean, we work only with vintage by vintage. I mean, normally. So yeah, it's just it's the same work and the same thing. Yeah. Do you think that cider makers can learn any? What do you think they can learn from the wine industry, whether in making or in marketing even? No. We can learn about um, the understand the terroir and the effect of the terroir of the juice. I think the wine industry are in advance of the cider industry. I mean, I talk about France. <laughs> I don't know for Switzerland, but... But yeah, I mean, for example, I love Burgundy. Burgundy, we know, is like two grapes majority, like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And we know like the effect of the soil between Puigny Moirachet, Morceau Moirachet, Morceau and, and Saint-Aubin, for example, because we know, we, we know the, specifically the soil difference between the plow, uh, with the same grapes. And we have to do the same in a cider. But the problem is like we have like two two thousand varieties in Normandy, so we have to. So it's very difficult. Yeah, it's it's not so easy to to make the comparison with the terroir in uh, in Chardonnay or, or Pinot Noir. But uh, there there is an influence of soil. We know that. But but I think uh, terroir with apples with patrimoine of apples could be one parcel. Uh, with the same varieties uh, compared with other parcels, but what's the what's the real difference? We can taste it, but how to describe it, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we have to yeah. work about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say so many so many times at some client when some when they ask me that, I say, it's simple. We are like four hundred century late because. Mm. Uh, to understand the terroir in Borny is not like 10 years now. It's like generation after generation, one maker of generation, one maker. They share their information, they test together, they understand the soil. And after they make some limit of the plow and say this part gives some wine, typically with some character. And other plow make difference with the same grapes. And, and it's for that, yeah, okay. Jack is why cannot make that, like that, and it's very difficult to do that. Yeah, we don't understand anything, but uh, uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just say you are white, but I want to believe. I want. To, I want to believe it can be possible to to read the soul and the terroir in the cider industry. Yeah. Yeah, we we have to compare perhaps region like Pays d'Auge, yeah. which is. Uh, Calc, uh, sorry. Chalk, yeah, sure, sure. And uh, go to the Massif Armoricain, which is uh, Brittany, uh, with uh, very, very old uh, geology. Yeah. Di totally different. So, 
with same varieties. It's interesting. In Switzerland, it's complicated because we have young soils uh, from uh, glaciation, how do you say, the, the ice time, you know. So the soils are very new and very mixed. So it's, um, we, we can't see many differences in the, in the, oh, la partie basse, the, the low, the lowest part of Switzerland. Um, what we can say in Switzerland, uh, if the soil is uh, poor, we have um, much, much more expression on the, on the flavors of apples uh, as compared with uh, very deep soils and, and very fat soils. Yeah. And very interesting. It's the same in Pedro's area. Uh, with, we have, for the soil, we have like flint. And uh, where we have flint, we have to plant some tree. And when you don't have flint, you don't pair up apple tree, but you can plant some pear tree because they need some humidity in the soil and some deep soil too. Yeah. For the roots, because the roots go very, very deeper. Deeper than apple tree. Yes, pear tree, they need, they need much more humidity and, yeah. and you could plant them in, on uh, not so good soils. Uh, apple trees, they need uh, draining in the soils. They need to be dry yeah. soils yeah. so many times and they like the field yeah. and rock. How are you trying to educate people? You know, how are you talking to restaurant owners or distributors? And what is your message to people about cider when you're trying to talk to them and you're trying to convince them why, why to sell cider? I mean, I can say something, but Jack will be not happy. But <laughs> um, it's only marketing to convince they can earn money with cider. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the first thing is like when you have the buyer in France, uh, I talk about Normandy, not Paris. Paris, they are more open. So, but when I talk in Normandy, I say, oh, cider, the cost is only, it's, it's only between two and five euros. So when I make my margin, I, I earn like only 20 euros. So when I sell, when I buy Grand Cru and I sell like for one or two hundred euros on the one list, I earn more money. So can you give me some example? I say, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, when you start your menu with champagne, with white wine, with red wine by the glass, and you can, you have good opportunity to sell your cider for the cheese or for the dessert. And after you can propose digestif and you, you sell one bottle more, one more bottles. On new menu, and that it's like 17% what I say to my client. It's just to convince to pour by, by, by the glass of cider or to put in a one list of cider, and it has to be uh, the, interest, the interest of the, the chef and not only in us, because if not, they don't care. And Normandy is like, yeah, I mean, we, we produce a lot of cider, but we represent only like 5% of the one list. Yeah. If you go to Bordeaux or Champagne or Burundi, uh, 50%, 60%, it's a wine from this area. And in Normandy, we don't have that. So, so uh, I have to convince like why you have to pour the cider in your one list. To wrap up on a positive note, what is something that excites you about the future of cider? What are your hopes for it? Uh, I would say uh, the people should take care of the fruit and uh, we have to live with fruits. Without fruits, we can't live. <laughs> so, so uh, take, yeah, and cider is very promising beverage in the sense that it's, it's not so high in alcohol like wine and uh, it gives uh, freshness, it gives uh, a lot of uh, emotion like wine but without alcohol so uh, for me it's, it's very promising and uh, we see that cider is very, it's uh, uprising, yeah. 
And one month thing, I think, uh, since COVID, with the confinement, uh, some people want to go back with like more local product in Normandy and Paris. And they are more open to, to open some cider in Normandy than before. I just I saw that, yeah. What's your favorite cider that you've drank re recently that you'd recommend? It's got to be something. I loved um, Cyril Zong. Uh, he has a cuvee called uh, Side Up. It, it is 120 varieties in a bottle. Wow. Just one parcel uh, on the coast of Cotentin, I don't know where. No, in the Pays d'Or. And uh, some vintages are crazy good and some others are not so good, but I had a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> and me, I don't know if you know, uh, Jacques, but uh, François David, producer, you know? I heard about it. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean, my grandfather made some competition like in a foire of uh, Lisieux, Lumetier, and he's like commis. Um, and um, when my grandfather finished number one, like the best cider in this area, François David was the second. And uh, when my father lose the first place, it was David, François David the first. So it was like always like, oh, and they don't know very well, they are not very friendly. Uh, the boss are still in life. My grandfather is like 94 soon. And Francois Vain, it's like 75, 74, something like that. And yeah, I called to Francois David once and say, oh, your grandfather, I don't know him, but I love this cider I make. And I'm sure you make good cider and something like that. But, and the cider, it's like very old school, like a lot of sugar, a lot of contraction, no filtering, uh, everything by hawk. Everything by picking by hand, he keep like six months, nine months apple in um how do you say grenier? Uh, yeah. I mean he keeps the apple before he press like six months minimum. He lose like fifty percent of the production because like so many apple was bad, too much ripe. And yeah, it was like very school. I mean now I think nobody does that anymore. Unfortunately, but it was very good cider. Well, thank you both so much. Is there anything you want to ask each other or maybe anyone in the audience has any questions? We can take those before we wrap up. Any questions? I, I actually have a question. So other than, other than soil and apple varietal, what are the other contributors to taste? Only because I, I feel like I've yet to taste an American cider that has the I don't know how to describe it, like a muskiness to it. Musky. Uh, I don't know if musky is the word for it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Musky is mean like smoke, like hawk, like uh, mushroom area, like. Yeah, which I love. I just never find it. I don't often find it. I ever find it here. Well. In American ciders. I think it's more the variety makes that, like more bitter apple variety make a few like, like animals, aroma. Yeah, the tannins, the tannins yeah. of bitter apple. Uh, it's the, the they select, they select, they have made, they made a selection uh, in uh, Bay Basque, Spain, and Brittany, Normandy on bitter apple, and the yeah. polyphenols are so huge and so complicated sometimes that uh, it it gives this special uh, aroma you know, like uh, champignon <laughs> the the bitter apple origin is from basque country yeah and it's because like uh it's normally you have like bitter bitter sweet apple it's because one guy's like one senior from basque country uh takes the boat and go and arrive in uh in Pédoge beach we don't know where exactly but in go this way and he craft, uh, graft, uh, some bitter variety in Pelojaria. And, uh, in the same time, it went in the 16, 16 uh, century. So 500 years ago. And, um, in the same time, this area in Pelojaria, the variety start to die because it was very, very whole. And to, how do you say that? 
to blend the variety, to create new variety with like a new genetic variety from Basque country, uh, develop and make a big, huge diversity in Pidogera, and after go, after go everywhere in Normandy, like Seine, Maritime, Her, uh, Lorne, and Manche, and after Brittany. But also, I, I, I think in the American varieties are, uh, many of them are like eat apple in the, yeah. in this way. So, but it's easy to create new varieties with planting seeds because each seed, it's a new, it's a new variety. So it's very easy. Uh, I, I have this project in Switzerland. I planted 200 trees from seeds. And I want to make one cider with those 200 trees. It's like you and me, we're all different, you know? Yeah. And I want to make a cider with a population, not from clones. So I'm very excited. Uh, the, the, the trees are very young now, but uh, I'm sure I will find a very bitter, like uh, in Brittany and very acid, like in Germany, and it's, it's crazy. In, in those 200 trees, uh, three of them were uh, red in the core, you know, uh, red apples, red flesh. So it's, it appears, you know, it's the diversity is incredible in, in the genetic of, uh, of the seeds. So it's quite easy. <laughs> um, yeah. The origin of apple is uh, in Asia, in Kazakhstan, and the, it's not the human like select the apple. It's uh, how do you say ours? Ours, ours, ours. It's the the bear, bear, no? Uh, bear. Yeah, it's a beer. It's a beer. Select the apple during like so many years, because the beer loves the big apple, love uh, sugar, and he go like in different apple tree. And he take one tree, one, one apple. When he doesn't like, he doesn't take his top. When he, he find a, like good apple tree for him, like very sweet, he take all the apple. And after, uh, when he reject everything, he has like more like grain. I mean, you say grain, uh, grain, uh, seeds, seeds. He more we find like more seeds about like a good apple for him, like lot sugar and not just a few or that like bad apple for him. So this way, after the competition is all, of course, we have more, more apple tree yeah. um, this way. But other, in, oh, sorry. In, uh, in America, there is a lot of crab apples, the, the, those very, very small apples. No? And it, it's also very interesting because of the tannins they have, I think. Yeah. And many producers are very excited about crab apples, no? I want to taste. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of emphasis in cyber about forging. And when do you think we'll segue into more uh, viticulture, sorry, farming-based uh, conversations? Because the, the forging just does not scale may produce exciting things, but it's not a scalable one for the producers. Yeah, it's complicated to, to forage apple and to make something very uh, stable in the time. So uh, for me, uh, farming is it's much more interesting with time and, and to create a precise thing we want to do. For raging, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. You said it, but uh, but you can't reproduce your cuvee uh, every year. No, it's not possible. Yeah. For me, it's <laughs> it's very interesting because uh, my best market is France. <laughs> <laughs> and me, my best market it's. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't have this written Switzerland, but now my best market for me it's it changed a few, but it's between US, Japan, and um, and Germany. US, US, Germany, and Japan. Yeah. And yeah, the friends it's my lowest market. So. <laughs> <laughs>
It's only 10%. Yeah, only once. <laughs> I, I have a distributor in Germany make a good job, so... so it's for that. This is this event in uh, Frankfurt. Yeah. I made it uh, at the beginning, yeah. But my impression was that it was too, too many big, big industries representing products, you know, uh, industrial. And we were as a small uh, art artisan. I felt we were a little bit used by those big companies to present the cider, so it was not so comfortable. But it's they are right, you know. <laughs> they are right. We can't say anything, but uh, perhaps that's why you you didn't go. Yeah, meet for different reasons too, but I can, I can, we cannot go everywhere all the time, so. Well, thank you all so much for coming and thank you both so much for taking the time to talk. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.